Welcome at the new episode of Data and the Hunch. It's an honor to have Max Tau, a retail consultant within Capgemini. And today we're going to have an animated talk about big data and the impact on retail. My name is Frank Wammers. I'm Chief Technology Officer for Capgemini Europe. And you can reach me on Twitter on at F-W-A-M-M-E-S. Max, can you shortly introduce yourself and also give your Twitter handle so that people can reach out to you? Sure, sure. Thanks, uh, Frank, for inviting me to this uh, discussion. Looking forward to uh, to it. Uh, Max Tao, I've been with Capgemini now for five years. Uh, funny enough, uh, working under Frank for, for two and a half of those uh, wonderful years. Um, I started off in the SAP division and I've uh, now focused within the consumer products and retail space on upstream supply chain and store operations uh, within that portfolio and looking forward to the discussion on on how sort of innovation is taking over the in-store experience and also sort of shaping uh, our data decision makers within the uh, the companies that we work with yeah well max that's a good introduction and i think you uh, you already touched upon the topic that i would like to discuss with you because if I look now at retailers, there are two things that I notice. On the one hand, when I walk around the cities, it's becoming more empty and empty, despite the fact that I hear, you know, that retailers are having a little bit of better time with the recovery of uh, of uh, of the market. Uh, but I don't I don't see it back at least in the shops in the street. Um, and on the other hand, you know, we've got this big trend of everything needs to be omni-channel, uh, etc. And one of the general things that I, I, I would like to have your opinion on is why need to have an omni-channel when there are no stores anymore? So should we talk about omni-channel or should we only talk about a digital channel strategy? What's your opinion about that? Well, I think like most things, when you when you look at the retail environment and look at the retail market space in, in the cities, but also uh, not in the cities, I think it's less about omni-channel retail experiences and sort of authentic retail experiences. So what customers are starting to demand and, and sort of expecting um, are that authenticity with the, you know, with the relationship that they have with the brands they trust. So we're looking at kind of trends in the artisan space. So whether it's organic, craft, small batch, custom made, uh, especially that customization and localization is so vital for the relationship between these brands and their consumers. Uh, and what's great about all that, of course, is that we see a lot of these, um, you know, these major companies, these, you know, 700, 800 to 1,000 store uh, retailers um, approaching the in-store dynamic uh, in a way that sort of focuses not necessarily on one platform for an entire region, but really looking at the local. And I think that's where data plays a really big role. Uh, and being able to sense out what what is that authentic experience for that particular demographic. But why then data? Why not you know should we not just forget about data and should we just put real humans back into the stores again that that can approach you like a human rather than that you're a piece of technology censoring a piece of capability walking into the store. So what's the value about data and 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 rather than just you know get back to human interaction again? So, so data has always kind of been misconstrued as, as, a, as an approach to one size fits all. I think uh, that 
especially when you're looking at retailers who do have increasing pressure to be competitive, you have to be able to forecast and you have to be able to leverage some of your scale, uh, whether that's on the purchasing side or on the supply chain side or, or you know, bundled transportation and supply chain related um, decision making. So data really helps drive some of those decisions. And I think if we look at you know, how demand sensing, for instance, whether that's in-store, online, um, you know, or on the, you know, especially on the sort of the social web, you know, how we can map out and sort of make sure that the products that are being demanded are in the shelves at the right time, the right place, and in the right sizes, um, so that there's never an out-of-stock situation. And I think that that's where sort of the data plays a role. You know, I think what I mentioned before about the authenticity of the relationship, that's, that's still central. I mean, customers don't want to feel like they are being spoken to by a robot or that the company is turning into a robot. I think that that's really important. Okay, but you know, but, but how do you see then the, the interaction? So basically your, your opinion is data could support the, the humor interaction. So you, you, you need both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people definitely want to be spoken to, but the other question, of course, that, that plays is, you know, how far does that consumer engagement go? I mean, if I walk into a store, and I'm not particularly keen on having a salesperson who I've never met address me by my first and last name. You know, that's one part of the of the relationship that needs to be considered. So it's it's definitely sort of it's uncharted territory is what I was trying to get at. And I think it's it's an interesting area to explore for companies um, that are taking a first step into omnichannel, or even who have been in omnichannel for a long time and now are expanding their store presence. Uh, you know, that's that seems to be a trend as well. Well, I totally agree, Max. Uh, you know, I always use in a, in a, on a very micro scale the example of uh, the the tailor that I use in Geldermalse. You know, uh, in a, it's a very small sil- uh, uh, village in the Netherlands. And the fun part is, you know, every time when I come in, you know, they know me by my first name because I uh, connected with them to the Facebook. They know what I'm doing. They know whether I went on a trip. You know, they asked for it. And the good thing is, uh, there is also always champagne. Uh, when I'm in so I don't know how they do it but you know it, it is indeed they get so much data out of the social interaction and yeah. although it's on a micro scale you know it is the reason why I spend all my clothing money over there and and they know it so uh, I, I I do agree with you it's it's a, it's and, and, a and yeah and I'll second that with with maybe less less champagne more cups of coffee in plastic that the person who makes the, or the company that makes my suit, which is an up and coming Dutch, Dutch retailer called suit supply. Um, you know, they, because I've been there a couple times this year, I start to know the faces and they start recognizing me when I come in. Um, you know, they don't need sort of to have that interaction again. And I think that what I'm noticing is that the minute I give my, uh, my information once it seems that that relationship is, is sort of already being sensed. So it's it's definitely vital, and I think there's you know there's sort of the the natural the human interaction side of it, and of course there's also the, the data that I'm providing to a slightly bigger, less niche um, company, I guess is what. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the good thing is, of course, that if you want to scale, then the possibilities to get data, of course, are endless. Eh? It's the data within your own company, it's the data that you can collect uh, over the social media. Uh, we see a lot of companies now starting to implement beacons in the uh, in the in the environment. You know, you can use your 
your if you have a credit card scheme or whatever you know you can use that kind of data how are retail companies dealing with that is there not you know that, that there's an overwhelming uh, amount of data in order to make good decisions what what's your take on that so Gardner's made a taken a stab at this um, to look to see exactly how much of the customer uh, activity data is actually being utilized, and it's hard to say, of course, because each retailer is very different. But they say between seventy five and eighty five percent of the data is not being used to its full potential. And I'm glad you mentioned beacons and sort of sensing and, and, and machine, let's say, machine learning inside of the store. Um, because there, there are really two ways of looking at how the quote-unquote Internet of Things uh, are impacting the retail experience. I think you know, we look at how it's transforming the in-store experience, whether that's with loyalty sensing or client recognition. And I think the most powerful is the employee empowerment, which is what we discussed. But it's also allowing customers to sort of turn their home into a store. So uh, this year, Amazon released Dash uh, for their, their prime customers. And that's a fascinating service that's actually going direct to these consumer products companies um, that are allowing people to sort of press a button, it's connected to the internet, and it automatically refills their laundry detergent or their you know, dryer pads or their coffee or their milk or whatever it is that they're ordering from Amazon Prime. Um, and similarly, there's a new company, and I heard this on, um, on, on Stacey Higginbotham's uh, podcast two weeks ago. It's called Haiku, and Haiku's got an interesting model. So they they work with um, grocery retailers for let's say busy working parents to be able to, to voice speak their grocery list directly into uh, a device that's on their fridge, it's a magnet, and they'll they'll get their grocery list and it'll be pushed right through to Peapod or to Walmart. This is in the states right now, but they're looking to expand uh, and have those groceries delivered within a twenty four hour time period. I mean, it's incredible how far. Um, sort of that element of what is home, what is retail, what is, you know, what is life, I guess the whole question is now. But companies are going to be able to really utilize that to, to push their sales, to, uh, to focus their, their, even their supply chains to know when uh, things need to be fulfilled. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see how, how to actually unlock that, let's say, 40-50% of the data that's that's really usable and tangible uh, that Gartner was talking about. That's a very good example that you give on, uh, I, I like the perspective about, you know, the whole retail perspective is changing because, you know, it's in the store, it's through digital, but it's also uh, it's also talking to your refrigerator where you can already do the, uh, the, 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 the ordering of your goods. It's a great example, by the way, it would really benefit my life. Um, but in a recent uh, recent podcast, yeah, well, you know my life, so you really know I need it. But um, if I look at a, a recent podcast I uh, I recorded and published, I I I also warned a little bit for that, and uh, in particular, I took the Amazon Echo as an example, because through Amazon Echo, of course, you know, I can ask a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff. You know, I can use it as a as a time clock when I cook. I can use it for information i can use it to uh, start music etc but if i start using those kind of elements also in uh, ordering my groceries they also i give so much data to certain retailers would people not be reluctant to do that and be scared a little bit is that, is that something that you already start sensing in the retail sphere or is everybody still so eager to collect data that the 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 
security question or rather you know the public opinion question is 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 not of that high of a relevance what, what, what's your stake on the market on that so i was i was on a flight recently coming back from bangalore and i was sitting next to a really interesting guy who's, who's an analytics manager for a major u.s big box retailer and we had the same discussion like is there sort of is there a threshold before singularity and I really do think so. I think that, that we are still biological human beings that crave human interaction. Uh, we have relationships with our retailers. We have relationships with these brands that cannot be synthesized into sort of auto-sensing of everything. I think there is definitely a degree of, of hold on, guys, where are we? how fast are we going to take this? Um, and even for myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still 20, I'm 28. Uh, I'm definitely on the cutting edge of, of all the things in my house. I've got a smart home. I've got a lot of things that are integrated. Um, but I still think, you know, if I look to my my purchasing history and, and even things like my coffee or my food, I prefer to take the time on the things that I value most. So I don't think that there's going to be a complete automation of every life life's purchasing decision. I think that that's still um, – maybe a little bit, a few generations away. But that lag time, I think, it, it will reach sort of an equilibrium where we'll be able to have the convenience factors that I think a lot of these innovations are, are providing, but still you know, building in and still making sure that the human need for uh, authentic interaction is there. Yeah. And you already talked about some examples, so you talked about Amazon and Haiku, some very good examples. If, if I would ask you which more traditional retailer, so not a born-in-the-cloud kind of retailer, what, what traditional retailer, in your perspective, is leading the pack at this moment in time and, and, and why? Well, I guess, I mean, in, in Europe, I think the, the most interesting one, just because of the scale of their operations, would be IKEA. And, you know, we've, we've got a lot of, you know, interesting things going on there. And I think if you look at how a company like IKEA is able to map out their sort of customer journey, because it is a journey when you're walking through, uh, through the many kilometers of IKEA sh uh, shelves, um, you know, they're taking in uh, a lot of data and they're able to sort of see how the store operations should be run based off of heat mapping, based off of, you know, customer interest flow. How long is somebody looking at this shelf versus that shelf? Is this in the right position? And it's dynamic. So, I mean, what's great about, you know, these decisions is they're not just being made by a group of, you know, uh, 25 to 30-year-old data analytics guys. They're being pushed down to the store operation guys, the people who are on the floor saying, you know, I think, and I've seen, and I've sensed, and I've tasted, and I've smelled, and I now want to change these sort of uh, arrangements. And I think that that's a really great example because it's workforce being enabled by the data and making the decisions on the ground. Uh, I think another wonderful one is, is a French retailer called FNAC, F-N-A-C. Um, and for those who are unfamiliar, they're kind of a hybrid between Amazon.com and a really cool, awesome bookstore that circa 1999, everybody would want to hang out in. Um, it's got a lot of cool techno gadgets as well and cool comic books, but they've been able to sort of survive the storm of, of Omnichannel by really offering a truly immersive experience. Of course, the best prices uh, for their category as well, uh, but their online presence and their, their mobile store and their apps are, are, I think, in my opinion, in that marketplace in France, second to none. Um, and they've really also shown a, a keen interest in 
employing and deploying uh, truly innovative technologies uh, within their shelf space in the physical stores, but also online. So, and I think if you ask customers of these two um, organizations, you say, hey, 1999, how'd you feel about them? And let's say 2016, how do you feel about them? I think there's still the genuine connection with the brand. And I, that's how I measure the success of, of, of their navigation in this world. Are there some final recommendations that you would like to give to a retailer if he if he's starting his journey or in the beginning of his journey to to optimize his use of digital and the in the big data perspective in general? Yeah, you know, I think I think the the lean startup concept being applied to a massive organization is is passe. I mean, we have to be real about the scale and, and the uh, the true benefits that can be realized by organization. So pushing products out to, to multiple regions or you know a mass group might be uh, overwhelming and, and it might get some people very upset. So I would say pilot things. You know, Target in North America has got a really cool store that they've just set up um, this year across from the, uh, the convention center in San Francisco. And it's basically a sort of a, a shell of a home showing how Internet of Things and how new technologies can be deployed into their home. And it's a great showpiece for, for how it's going to go. Um, you know, and it's a strategic location. It's a decision they made to put it there and not in every store. But moving forward, they can kind of take the lessons they learned in, let's say, Silicon Valley to other parts of, uh, of the U.S. And, and other uh, countries. But I'd like to flip that on my head because I know you're just back from the Valley, Frank. Uh, <laughs> can, you, uh, can you tell us some, some insights, some you know, cool quips of what, what you found? Well, there were a few things that were very interesting. We went with the Dutch delegation. Uh, it was particularly about transport that we went. So we, well, first of all, the delegation visited one of the coolest companies on earth, and that was uh, Hyperloop Tech, which is a company that wants to uh, make the vision of the Hyperloop reality. So that's really cool. Uh, and, and furthermore, we visited companies like Tesla, Nissan, uh, Google, in, in particularly with the thing, you know, how are you going to deal with uh, autonomous car, connected vehicles, etc. Which, by the way, doesn't seem to relate anything to the retail. On the other hand, you know, I think it's a good example on how things are changing. And particularly if you look at Tesla, that, that says, you know, we, we don't want to have dealerships anymore. So if you want to buy a car... You're going to do it in a complete different way than that you do in the obvious way in the past that you went to a dealer. So this is also an example where indeed you know retail is being completely disrupted by companies that that come from the from the valley. And there are two other things that I think are which which came out which I think are are really interested uh, also to see for retailers in this perspective. One is every company that I spoke to related everything that they did back to direct business outcome, which, you know, to the, to the extreme, you know, so if we do something, okay, what, what's the business outcome that come from it? And I think in particularly when I look at, at retailers or companies in general and, and their big data initiatives, people are too much focused on, okay, we're going to collect data and then we're going to find out what we can do with it. And the example that you gave, like, you know, we, uh, in Ikea, we, we, we're, we're going to have a lot of data, but we're not just going to crunch it, but we give it back to the people on the, sh on the, on the floor because they will do something with it. That's bis creating business outcomes. So, and, and every company in the Valley were, was extremely focused. 
That's, I mean, and that's unique. I think that's a new phenomenon right now that we're seeing is it's not just the shiny toy and let's see what we can do with it eventually. You know, I think these, these major companies or what have become major companies are looking at indeed the business scalability and, and how to drive the benefits case home. So exactly. it's, uh, it's, that's pretty awesome to hear. It's good to hear that, you know, finally it's not just a bunch of fluff, but there's actually a lot of uh, content behind it. And and the second learning marks that also came back to your lean startup. So what we did is we hosted in in the we we recently opened the lab in San Francisco where we want to be in the interchange of the knowledge that we have about big partners, the knowledge that we have, and the point of views that we have around developments on IT, uh, and also to be a, a company that can leverage the ecosystem in Silicon Valley to expose them to our clients. So what we did, we invited seven startups with respect to uh, the transportation industry to expose them to the delegation, which was a mix between uh, uh, top execs from 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 uh, private companies, but there were also some top executives from the from the governmental world, including our own minister of transport, which was really cool. The fun part is what you noticed is their whole way of thinking from a startup is so refreshing for established companies to witness and also for them not only to interact and see whether the products of those startups could could be leveraged within their own organization but much more you know how can we leverage on how these guys work what can we bring into our company and i think that comes back to to what you say you know we we cannot have very long periods where we completely try to detail out how the next retail experience will look like you know it's much more about take a decision test it if it doesn't work you know okay we refine it again and then we'll test it out again if it doesn't work you know we pivot the solution and we try it out again and i think that whole uh, part of you know you do, you don't have failures the only thing that you have is learnings to in order to improve your experience I think that is something that for the retailers could could be very good. And again, you know, if you have thought about business outcome and you test big data kind of initiatives in the retail space, doesn't work, don't throw it away, learn and pivot. I think those were the two things that, that you know, they were so obvious that that, that was the big learning for, uh, for the people that we had. So... Uh, I think that would be very, uh, very cool, and and I hope, uh, Max, that together we can work on bringing some uh, some retailers into our uh, into our lab, uh, and and that I will meet you in San Francisco. Well, definitely. Well, cool. Well, Max, then uh, I would like to thank you for having this conversation with me. Uh, I will definitely use you again, uh, perhaps for another perspective on the retail industry, uh, and uh, and have a podcast soon. But for now, thank you, and listeners, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you like the conversation, if you have questions or you want to have more interaction, please contact me on uh, Twitter at uh, F-W-A-M-M-E-S. My name is Frank Wammers and uh, I was joined by Max Tau and looking forward to hear to you soon. Thank you. 